So I don't have a question for my co-hosts tonight, but rather I have a fun uh, story or anecdote or what have you. Uh, so yesterday, <clears throat> I get off work, and I have I have pull lists at two comic book stores in town. Okay, and I got off work with enough time to get to both. So I go to the first one, and as I'm walking in, I see this car, and the license plate is the last name of the guy from the other comic book shop. And I'm like, uh oh, and. You know, and sure enough, he's driving and sees me and waves. But um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I I was super worried that you know, like my comic book guy caught me cheating on another comic book guy. And <laughs> what what made it worse? Because like I was prepared. Because like I at that point I assumed that he was you know off or whatever, and so I wouldn't see him that day. So I was like, I was prepared for next Wednesday to be like, hey, uh, by the way, you know, like nothing personal. But then I get to the other comic book shop and he's back. Apparently, he went on break to take his daughters to dance class. So, like, again, like, y you guys know me. I always am, like, super paranoid and, you know, jump to the worst possible scenario but like it was all cool he was fine and in fact he was just like hey long time no see i was like yeah yeah but like i yeah i felt um <laughs> yeah if if nathaniel hawthorne were to write a story about uh about this day like he'd probably call it like the scarlet comic uh <laughs> yeah i was really scared guys it was just a red letter day <laughs> Yes. Where's my Do you want me to get it? Yeah, I'm gonna need it. <laughs> Tonight feels like a bell kind of night. Here comes me just digging my own grave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. So we're going to start tonight with some kind of big news that happened, I don't know, yesterday, a couple days ago, I don't know. Uh, but Matt, uh, what's in store for uh, Warner Media? Uh, Warner Media is merging. It, it's kind of a big mess because AT&T, Warner Media, and Discovery are all, like, they're becoming one company and then they're spinning off another part of that new conglomerate to... Uh, do new and different things. Um, basically, the merger um, will give CNN, TBS, TNT, HGTV, Food Network, Discovery Channel, Warner Brothers Pictures, Discovery Plus, and HBO Max a single corporate parent. Um, and there are some questions in regards to this merger, what will happen to DC Comics, because they are part of that whole group. Um, the Discovery CEO is going to become the head of this new company. Um, and they've kind of basically said that the biggest reason they're doing this is so that they can combine forces to compete with Disney and Netflix as far as uh, like streaming services and content go. I saw a rumor that they are already going to try and spend essentially as much as Netflix uh, when it comes to original content for next year. Um, so uh, no news yet on what's going to come of the streaming services because Discovery Plus has their own. Um, HBO Max is its own. Um, you know, AT&T has their cable, which also does streaming and live. Um, so that's all still kind of up in the air. We'll get more of that as this all actually goes down. Um, but yeah, yeah. AT&T, Warner Media, and Discovery are officially going to be one giant ass company. You know, I feel like they would probably take the Disney Plus route when it comes to like all the 
17,000 streaming services that they're going to have where, you know, you can buy Disney plus for X amount of money and then you can add on Hulu and ESPN plus or whatever for like five bucks more, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I could see them doing something like that. Yeah. I think they'll probably end up, which, you know, is basically what we thought was going to happen long ago when these streaming services started. It was like, Oh, well, what's going to happen when you need to buy 10 different streaming services? Are you going to be able to buy bundles? Well, guess what? Yes. Now you can bundle your streaming services. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's real annoying. <laughs> so uh, we got a couple of reviews tonight and Hey, I remember how like off air, I was like, Hey, there's something I was going to tell you guys. I couldn't remember what it was, but now I remembered. You know, our, our reviews, that's something that we've done for a while now, and we've never really had a name for it. So, like, I kind of came up with the idea of calling this little segment of the show the pull list. Hey, I like that. All right. <laughs> little little scary, though, because not going to lie, like, for any of our listeners who don't read comics or don't know anything about comics, the pull list sounds way worse than it actually is. <laughs> Well, you just need a sound effect of, like, paper shuffling or something to go with it. There we go. <laughs> so we're going to start tonight's uh, edition of the pull list with The Blue Flame. Uh, it's out May 26th from Vault by Christopher Cantwell and Adam Gorham. So Sam Browsam is the Blue Flame, a cosmic hero, or is he a DIY vigilante? Either way, he must prove before a universal trial that humanity is worth saving. Uh this first issue is slightly confused. It's not confusing. I don't want to say it's confusing. Um, because you do have the Blue Flame, who is these two vastly different types of heroes. Uh, so, like, I, I'm very interested to see how it all, you know, comes together or whatever. Um, I mean, it's almost like, you know, having two different heroes which was cool because, like, I enjoyed – if you're going to break it down like that, I enjoyed both of those stories, you know, whether it was the one in space or the one in Milwaukee, which, not going to lie, I don't like snow. You guys all know I don't like snow. <laughs> and seeing snow in a comic in May kind of made me mad. Um, not mad enough to stop reading, but I was like, really, y'all? Um, but I guess it is in Milwaukee, so whatever. Uh, also – and granted, like, this seems way darker than, than what I'm about to compare it to. But, like, this whole, you know, like, universal trial, humanity worth saving. It's like, I expect Q at some point. <laughs> um, I'm not, I know that I'm not going to get Q, and I'm okay with it. But at the same time, it's still like, can, can, can we get, like, you know, a John Delancey, like, cameo at least? That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so, uh, Tabitha, what would you think? Um... I sort of agree with you, where you said it's not confusing, but you didn't mean to say confusing. I mean to say confusing. Um, I got lost and thought I, like, clicked on, like, the wrong button or something as I was reading when it jumped. And then, like, I'm like, why am I suddenly, I went from space to Milwaukee. Like, those are just a very different thing. Um and then I got invested in what was happening in Milwaukee, and suddenly I was in space again, and I'm like, no, I want to go back to Milwaukee, which is something no one has ever said. <laughs> I love snow, found the snow refreshing. Also, adored the fact that I could hear Milwaukee reading the comic. Like, I could hear those, like, northern Accent. accents, like, coming off the page. Like, that was incredible. But I, I did think I, like, ended up somehow like clicking on the wrong button while I was reading this. I was like, where am I? Um, which is something people have said in Milwaukee. Um, I want to see where this goes, but I need to have like all of it done before I read it again, I think, because I will inevitably forget everything that happened that was not in Milwaukee. Cause that's the only part I care about. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha cares about Milwaukee. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> what'd you think? Um, it was interesting. Um, the universal trial, like one person on trial for all of humanity, um, is a little tropey for me. Like it's been done, like you said, 
like you see, you know, expecting a, an appearance of Q. Um, I mean, Star Trek is obviously not the only one that's done that, um, like tail, I guess, if you will. Um, I was more invested in what was going on in Milwaukee, which again, I, I mean, unless the Cubs are playing, I don't care about Milwaukee at all. Um, so that was a little interesting. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I want to see, I want to actually see some of the powers. Um, I mean, I, I like Sam as a character. I want to, like, I, I want more background about him and essentially see him in action. Um, I'm intrigued about the Night Brigade and their, um, like, their interactions and that. Um, and then there was that scene with that girl and Mateo. And I, 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 lo- I got lost in that. I, I don't know. Is that a character? Is that one of the Night Brigade? I, I, I don't think so. But I think, I mean, obviously, it's going to come into play later on. I mean, I understand it's going to come into play later, but it just, that, like, page or two pages just seemed completely out of the blue. Um, out of the blue flame. Blue flame. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, I do appreciate the fact that he works on furnaces and his superhero is the blue flame, like a pilot light. That was, that was clever. I like that. <laughs> um, the only other thing I had was there were a couple of small, like almost plot holes um, that kind of caught me off guard. One, you're in Milwaukee. Why are you drinking Pabst and not a Miller product? Um, <laughs> and there was one other thing. I, I can't remember what it was. There was one other small like plot hole that kind of just like, kind of threw me out oh when he goes out to when he goes out to shovel and he's got his his coffee and his like in his lunchbox and he's getting ready to go and his neighbor's like yeah i gotta shovel before i go to work it's like oh i guess i should shovel like dude did you not look out the window you live in milwaukee how did you not like expect snow at some point like why are you carrying your thermos and your lunchbox out to the car if you got a, if you got a shovel you think you'd plan better <laughs> otherwise your coffee's gonna get cold Anyway, um, but like Tabitha said, like I, I, I'm into this because I want to know more, more primarily about the whole Milwaukee situation more than the like space trial. But Uh, one last thing too about the Blue Flame, like it was pretty neat because like Vault will also like if there are variant covers, like you'll see all the variant covers, and this issue has like. I, I'm rounding up here, but it has approximately 7,035 variant <laughs> covers. Uh, and they were, they were all really cool. And um, yeah, like if I, if I, if I see any variants, you know, when I go to pick this up next week, uh, I might have to pick one up. Yeah. So uh, also out May 26th from Oni Press is uh, The Sprite and the Gardener. It's by Joe Witt and Rhea Abrego. Uh, So sprites were once caretakers of gardens until humans came along. Uh, Wisteria, a kind-hearted sprite, starts to ask about how things used to be and uh, discovers her long-lost talent. Uh, Matt, I know we just talked to you. What did you think about this one? I really enjoyed this. Um, I will say that initially when I opened it up, I thought the color palette was going to be one one of those that bothered me as we went along. Like, things were going to be too monochromatic. Um throughout the whole thing. Um, but that did not happen. It changed, which I really appreciated. Plus it kind of changed like as far as the scenes went. Um, so you got like, as the different scenes happen, the color palette changed with those scenes to go with the aesthetic, um, or with the feel of what was happening in that scene. Um, I don't know this, this was short, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I like kind of the, message behind all of it is that you well i mean kind of something hits home for me um you don't have to do everything by yourself you can have help um and it's okay to have help and sometimes you need help to be the best that you can Tabitha, what about you yeah this was super cute like i got into it not really knowing what i was getting into and i was like oh flowers cute and like how all their little character names were based on flowers was really adorable. Um, I, I agree with Matt. Like I super like the message. My only beef with this, and it's so 
cutty. And the only reason I had beef is because I've recently read another graphic novel that did the same thing and ended up irritating the bejesus out of me where like you'll have a panel or like a page and then there'll be like panels where it's zoomed in on parts of a scene and you're supposed to focus on that. Like it would like zoom in on like the character's like eyes being all like shiny and happy and then it would kind of zoom out and then it would zoom in again. That drives me insane. Like if you want me to pick up on those things, you shouldn't have to draw the page to where it's like that. You should just let it be one cohesive piece. Um, that kind of drew me out of everything, but all in all, this was just really cute and cuddly. And <laughs> I, want I want a Sprite, but I don't want a garden <laughs> because that feels like a lot of work. And like, I would have to help because obviously, you know, you can't just let the Sprites do everything. So, hmm. Too much work. <laughs> I like how my main takeaway for that is that Tabitha has beef with a little Sprite. That sounds like a bad combo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds chunky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while I get the, that image of that taste out of my mind slash mouth, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's start some trailer takedown. Uh, we've got a ton of trailers to talk about. Um, and the first matchup, I feel bad, Tabitha, because they were both of yours. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I tried to... I tried to match up these trailers as best as I could with, you know, with each other. So I felt that Dear Evan Hansen versus Anne Boleyn was the closest because I don't think that we could properly judge Anne Boleyn versus Snake Eyes, but we might have to. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll see where this goes. But uh, Tabitha, let's start with you. Um, so Dear Evan Hansen is, you know, the musical or the movie adaptation of the musical of the same name. Um, a lot of people are roasting this trailer and mostly just roasting the fact that almost 30-year-old Ben Platt is trying to play a high school student with a lot of face makeup and something really strange going on with his hair and I can't figure out. Um, the trailer made me cry. I can't get through this musical soundtrack without crying. I have never done it. I never will do it. If I listen to it in bits and pieces, I'm usually fine. But if I listen to the whole thing the whole way through, I bawl and squall every time. Um, and there is zero chance that I would make it through this movie in the theater without an entire box of Kleenexes. However, um, you know that thing where it's like, if you were kidnapped, what could you talk about for so long that the kidnapper would bring you back? Um, my topics would be Anne Boleyn and why churches should be taxed. So my Anne Boleyn knowledge is just like out of control. Like I know more about Tudor history for like 500 years, not even 500 years, like 250 some odd years than I do all of American history because American history is boring. Like I, I know way more than I need to. Um, and this trailer is, not our typical Tudor era period piece. And they are giving life to Imbolin. And like, so people have been mad about this casting for a really long time now. I am not one of those people. Um, this looks like it gives Anne a voice and doesn't just portray her as like a witch, um, a harlot and a beheaded wife. Like it looks like it's giving, you know, a voice to her, you know, her religious, like, like she was on the other side of a religion that was not popular. And it looks like it's giving, you know, a voice to that and a voice to her strength and her, like, intelligence and her feminist nature. And I think that's all just really cool. And I'm so excited. Um, however, I'm going to have access to Dear Evan Hansen. I do not know if I'm going to have access to this Amblin thing until it, like, finally winds up somewhere where I can watch it because I unfortunately do not live in the UK. I'm stuck here in America with the plebes. But um, I'm going to give six points to Dare Evan Hansen and four points to Anne Boleyn. Uh, so yeah, so that trailer for Anne Boleyn was a lot better than 
I thought it not not to say that it was better <clears> for me, but it, it I guess it was better for me because uh, I am not like you, Tabitha. I know that Anne Boleyn is a person, or I guess was a person, and that's about it. Um, not about it. I know a little bit more, but pales in comparison. That said, like this trailer made her, you know, like the and I I apologize to the actress who's who plays uh, Anne because I cannot remember her name, but like she plays her like a badass and. It's really cool, and even though I'm not a huge fan of using, like, modern music with historical pieces, like, the music that they used for that trailer was like, okay, I, I, I'm digging this. I'm really digging this. Um, Dear Evan Hansen, I really enjoy the soundtrack. You know, I've never, you know, seen the, the musical or anything like that. Uh, I am 100% here for this. Uh, and, you know... I, I, nothing against Ben Platt. Ben Platt is a phenomenal human being, has a phenomenal voice. And I feel like if they did something similar to how they did Hamilton, where this was like a live recording of the stage show, I think that I would have been 100% on board with him being a part of it. Uh, but I feel like they should have uh, maybe given Ben like a different role in this musical or in this adaptation and let someone else play Evan Hansen. I get it. He is Evan Hansen, but still, uh, he looked too old to be a high schooler. And I don't think that hair helped. I, I almost feel like if they went with even just like his normal hair, I think that I would have been more okay with it. Uh, so dear Evan Hansen actually loses a couple of points for that. Uh, it probably, I mean, it already is definitely winning for me, but it would have been like really, really bad for Anne. Uh, but I'm giving uh, Dear Evan Hansen seven points and Anne Boleyn three. Matt. Um, so this is, this is a hard one for me um, because I am not a huge history. I'm not a history buff at all. I, I don't really history. Um, but I definitely got into... Tudor history um, when we watched the Tudors. Um, and this definitely looks like it's going to give a cool and more justified perspective to Anne's story instead of just being about King Henry and like, yes, it's all in context of the time frame, but it's going to focus a lot more on her and her story um, and not make her a secondary character in her own tale. Um, for people that are complaining about the casting, I don't think at this point in this world that who plays the act, who plays the role should matter as long as the best person for the role is doing the acting. End of story. Um, Evan Hansen, I have not even listened to the entire soundtrack. Um, I haven't watched the play. There's parts of this that hit real hard for me. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I'm probably going to ugly cry through most of this movie. You ugly cried through the trailer. <laughs> I did ugly cry through the trailer. That's true. Um, <laughs> like this is going to be, I'm probably going to cry and throw up when I watch the movie. I'm going to cry that hard. Um, I'm going to go five and five because I really just can't. I, I, I can't decide. All right, so with a score of 18 to 12, Dear Evan Hansen moves on. Uh, next up is Snake Eyes versus The Lost Symbol. Um, not going to lie, guys. For me, I, I wasn't really feeling either of these movies, or I guess uh, Lost Symbol is a television show on Peacock. Uh, I wasn't really feeling either of these. I've seen The Da Vinci, the da Vinci Code, but I never saw Angels and Demons. Uh, da Vinci Code was all right, but it's like, eh, I don't... I don't know that I could binge watch, you know, a 10 episode or however many episodes, you know, version of the Da Vinci Code, because that's kind of what this is. Um, Snake Eyes, I also haven't seen any of the more recent G.I. Joe movies. Uh, this is a G.I. Joe kind of a spinoff. It's like an origin story. Um, so, I mean, okay, cool. Uh, I am... This one does edge out Lost Symbol. I'm giving six to Snake Eyes, four to Lost Symbol. Only because Snake Eyes, it looks like a movie that I could go into and not have to think. I could go in. It's a dumb popcorn flick 
which is cool. Uh, I got to think during Lost Symbol, and y'all know I can be kind of dumb sometimes, so no thanks, bro. <laughs> um, Tabitha. So I love a martial arts movie. I don't love a G.I. Joe movie. So this can either go one of two ways. It can be mind-numbingly dumb and terrible, or it can just be, like you said, like a popcorn movie. Um, G.I. Joe movies kind of rank up there with like video game adaptation films for me, but they're just kind of like throwaway movies. However, this looked really interesting and like it looked like they did a lot with like location shooting and stuff. So it, it looks like it's going to be visually kind of pretty. Um, give me all the young Robert Lincoln. Like, <laughs> like long ago and far away, Tabitha wanted to major in archaeology and museum science because I had Indiana Jones dreams. But I'm smarter than Indiana Jones, so when I found Robert Langdon, I'm like, oh, look, it is me. Um, so I love The Da Vinci Code. Like, these are like my guilty pleasure books because they're smart and they are, you have to kind of puzzle them out. So it's kind of like reading a detective story slash watching a detective story with art and mythology and symbolism and religion. And it's all just through. Um, so I'm going to give one to Snake Eyes and nine to what I'm calling young Robert Langdon because Lost Symbol doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt. Uh, so I read a couple of the Dan Brown books. I think I read Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code. Um, I did not get to any of the newer ones, Lost Symbol included. Um, I don't know. This, this, <sighs> I don't know. This could go one of two ways. It could be hokey. Um, but at the same time, like I do really love looking at these pieces of art and history and seeing these little symbols or bits of information tucked away that you don't really notice. Um, and then he makes them connect in weird and strange ways. And I, I do kind of really enjoy that. Um, this also gets bonus points because I effing love Eddie Izzard. Eddie Izzard is one of my favorite human beings, period, the end. And the fact that uh, they are in it is fantastic. Um, Snake Eyes, yeah, it could be a popcorn flick. It could be bad. I don't know. I didn't G.I. Joe as a kid, so I just never had any interest in the cartoons or the reboots or the movies or any of that. And I don't know who any of these characters are. Um, so yeah, I could go into this not knowing anything and maybe enjoy myself, but I just, it looks like martial arts final, or martial arts Fast and the Furious. And I just, I, I don't know if I'm there for that. Um, so I'm actually going to go six for Lost Symbol and four for tonight, guys. All right. So with a score of 19 to 11, Lost Symbol moves on. And Lost Symbol is going to face off against Dear Evan Hansen and the winner of... Monsters at Work or Fear Street? Uh, Matt, let's start with you. So Monsters at Work, Monsters at Work is this tiny little teaser. Um, it's, a, it, it's the direct sequel to Monsters, Inc. that everybody wanted when Monsters University came out. Um, this picks up when laughter is generating energy instead of screams, um, and Mike and Sully are now in charge instead of just being uh, part of the team. Um, I don't know. Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University are two of my favorite movies of all time. Um, as far as Fear Street, I don't know. I was a Goosebumps kid, but these actually look pretty creepy. Um, so I think if they're done well, these could actually be like legit scary movies um so i don't know that that i guess we'll have to wait and see there really isn't enough in the trailer to kind of give a real like creepy vibe or if we're just going to get like a uh like a scream kind of feel from these um i as short as that monsters at work trailer is i'm gonna go seven points for that because i just freaking love mike wazowski and um three for fear street um y'all i'm probably gonna make some people angry i've never watched any of the monsters movies inc university nothing at work was about the most exposure that i've had you know outside of you know like a working knowledge of of, of the characters and whatnot uh so with that said i mean it was cute but 
like clearly not for me. Uh, Fear Street, like you, Matt, I was a Goosebumps kid. We all know that Tabitha was all about Fear Street, and she's better uh, she's better than us for it. Um, <laughs> we we are we are peons with our Goosebumps, but you know what? I don't remember Fear Street having you know like a textured logo because Goosebumps had Goosebumps on the cover. It was cool. Shut up. Um, anyway, Fear Street had that too. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fear, where Fear Street was, like looked like dripping blood, and it was embossed. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but anyway, that said, uh, this looks cool. It looks scary. I'm kind of surprised that it's going to be in the summertime and not closer to Halloween because, like, that that would be amazing during Halloween. Um, but, yeah, I'm here for it. It's It looks awesome. So I'm giving eight points to Fear Street and two to Monsters at Work. Um, work, work. I see I could have made that better if I even knew any of the characters names but I don't really so anyway Tabitha where are your points now I just want like a Hamilton remake done with the Monsters Inc characters so thanks for that Um, I've still only seen the first Monsters Inc movie like that's just where my Monsters Inc knowledge ceases um the movie came out like a weird time. Like I was busy, you know, like being an alcoholic in college. Like I didn't have time for Monsters, Inc. Um, but I did have a lot of time for Fear Street as a kid. And like I would go to bed sometimes and have to leave the light on in my room because I liked the scare. But then I would get in trouble for having to have someone take me to the bathroom at like eight when I shouldn't have been reading Fear Street novels. Um, these look great based on these trailers however because of how terrible those goosebumps movies have been i am like super wary (sighs) i have approximately zero faith that these are going to be good however that fear street whatever whatever 1666 would give it to me i I, I love a salem witch trial like want it need it now like i don't need the other two like the 90s nostalgia might be kind of fun i don't know anything about 1978 i wasn't there I also wasn't in 1666, I don't think. Um, but <laughs> on the off chance I might have been, I think that's going to be my favorite. So I'm going to give nine to Fear Street and one to Monsters, Inc. Just because I probably will never watch, or Monsters, whatever, at work. I will probably never watch the new Monsters thing unless Matt makes me. But I'm probably <laughs> definitely going to watch the Fear Street thing. So with a score of 20 to 10... Fear Street moves on, um, and like I said, that's going to face off against Dear Evan Hansen and Lost Symbol. Sorry, I was trying to also come up with, like, some way to fit in, you know, like, referring to you as, like, Tabitha Good, you know, like, Sarah Good. Anyway. (laughs) I just don't feel like if I was part of the Salem Witch Trials, like, I feel like it would go against my nature to have that last name if it did have an E at the end. <laughs> I mean, I was know. probably a doctor. Let's get real. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm going to be real, real, Sarah Good was the first name that I thought of. <laughs> so. Anyway, so, um, Matt, let's start with you um, with our triple threat final round. I think I uh, this is this is a tough call. Um, yeah, I think my my fear, huh? Um, regarding like the Goosebumps movies versus the Fear Street, like is going to cost that a point, um, just in the long run. Um, so I'm going to go three points for Fear Street. Um, I think I'm going to go with three points as well for Lost Symbol. Um, just because it is a TV series and I don't know, 10 hours of that might be a little too much. Um, stretching that plot a little thin. Um, and four points again, probably just cause I'm going to cry and throw up because Evan Hansen is going to make me have too many feelings. <laughs> Tabitha. Um, I'm going to go five for dear Evan Hansen. Um, I'm going to go three for the Robert Langdon TV show. And I'm going to go two to round it out for 
the Fear Street because that's the only, there's only two of those three that I'm interested in. (laughs) (laughs) One point each. One point each. So uh, I am going six points for Dear Evan Hansen, uh, one point for Lost Symbol, and three points for Fear Street. So final tally, Dear Evan Hansen gets 15 points, Lost Symbol gets seven, Fear Street gets eight. Dear Evan Hansen, even with that weird, weird, weird Ben Platt hair, uh, wins this episode of Trailer Takedown. Can, can we at least get like that wig for Halloween? I just don't know why they didn't just let him have his normal hair. It would have just, I don't, like, I'm going to send you a link later, Mitch, of all of the people who on Twitter who are roasting the, the look, because it just, it brings me such joy. <laughs> I've, I've seen some, I've seen some. But like, that's the thing too, like, I feel like that wig almost even makes him look older. Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, yes, he is, you know, approaching 30. I get that. But still, like, I don't know. It's just, man, man. All right. Uh, let's go to gut reaction. Oof. Gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight uh, with a new edition of Bring It On. Sci-Fi is bringing back Bring It On with Bring It On Halloween in 2022. Uh, So the synopsis says, uh, held down by restrictive rules, an embattled cheerleading squad seeks the freedom of a creepy closed school gym to practice for regionals. But when members of the squad start to disappear, the cheerleaders must unmask their assailant to save themselves. Y'all, before I read that uh sci-fi was putting this on i i I assumed it was like a theatrical release and i was ready to give it a hardcore thumbs down like thumbs down like it's like the thumb is now like breaking through the floor and it's like (laughs) down into you know my basement like that's how down that thumb was gonna be but knowing that it's on sci-fi and knowing that sci-fi like this is what they do they make bad movies like great uh I have full faith that this is going to be like just dumb and stupid and phenomenal. And hopefully if, you know, assuming we're still kicking in 2022, that this will be on an edition of guilty pleasure dumpster fire. Uh, I can't believe I'm about to say that I'm excited for a new bring it on movie, but I'm excited for a new bringing on movie. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, I have watched almost every single one of the Bring It On movies. If you don't know, there is not just one. There are a lot. Um, This sounds amazing and terrible at the same time. Um, I will probably only get around to watching it if we do do it for a dumpster fire because I always forget about these kind of movies. So I'm going to go with them sideways, but I am optimistic for it to be just terrible, wonderful trash. Matt. There is so much going on between the title, name, synopsis, sci-fi, all of that. It just doesn't, it seems like a bad jello salad. Like there's just so much going on. Too many flavors. (laughs) You made me think about jello salad. Now I'm gonna have the worst time. (laughs) This, this episode's leaving a bad taste in our mouths. Uh, <laughs> now I'm weirdly thinking about seven layer dip, and I don't know why I hate you. Ooh, seven layer jello salad. Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> I gotta go brush my teeth. Oh. <laughs> uh, that went down the drain. All right. Um, you know, oddly enough, this is probably going to be pretty good. So I'm going to go thumbs up just because I think there's got a, there's enough going right in this that even though I've never seen any Bring It On movies, this 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 could be good. Uh, so moving on, uh, Tabitha, you've got uh, some Poe Dameron news. Um, I do. Uh, Poe Dameron's X-Wing from Rise of Skywalker is on loan from Lucasfilms and is chilling at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum. Um, It's currently in the restoration hangar, but it's being prepared for display. Um, Unfortunately, this does not come with BB-8. I'm very Mm -hmm. sorry, Mitch. 
Um, but it is going to be on long-term display outside of the Albert Einstein Planetarium, and it will be available to see in 2022. You can currently see it while it's being like restored and they're like working on it to set it out for the display, but you can just kind of like walk around it. Um, this is the first Star Wars event for the museum since 1997 when Star Wars The Myth of Magic was on exhibit, which I did learn today that you can view that entire exhibit on Smithsonian's website. And it is like, I looked at some of it today. It is awesome. Like you pull it up and like, you can like literally walk through it. And it is, it is 1997 Smithsonian Museum. Like it is, <laughs> it is nostalgic AF. Like it is great. So highly recommend if you're very bored, like I frequently am. Um, I'm giving this whole thing a thumbs up. I love that we're bringing pop culture into the Smithsonian again. I love the Star Wars is being put on, on display. I just always feel like these kind of exhibits, again, Tiny Tabitha tried to get her degree in museum science, realized it wasn't going to do her much good in Southern Illinois. Um, but I think these kind of things bring in a wider audience and kids who will watch Star Wars movies will then like be able to relate that to the space that they know, especially in a setting like the Smithsonian. Um, I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. This makes me super happy. Uh, Matt. I think this is great. I do. I think when you can mix pop culture with history and science, um, is it's it's just it, it benefits everybody. Um, so huge thumbs up for this. Oh yeah, I mean, complete and total thumbs up. This sounds awesome, even though there is no BB-8 involved. Um, it still earns a thumbs up for me. Matt, let's talk about Resident Evil. Uh, so. There is a brand new Resident Evil video game that is out, and they're getting some pushback um, from a Dutch director who is claiming via LinkedIn uh, that one of the boss monsters in the new Resident Evil Village game is essentially identical to a monster in his 2013 horror movie titled Frankenstein's Army. Um, he says, quote, in 2013, I directed my film Frankenstein's Army. It's a crazy monster movie filled with my own creature designs, one of which has been used completely without authorization or credit in the newest Resident Evil game. Um, the boss is a propeller monster. It's like basically a... a engine propeller, like a airplane engine propeller um, that attacks, I guess. Um, but there's, he's saying that it was just taken pretty much right out of his film. Um, there are some screenshots online of the comparisons. And yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty distinct similarities between these two. Um, so... I don't know if it was one of those things where one of the designers for the video game saw the movie and thought this would be cool and thought they could just bum it off of him or what, but I don't know. Um, I'm going to go thumbs down because it's always rough when it, when, when content is taken from one place and put in another without proper like citation or credit due. Um, and this is one of those things. In some cases I'm like, eh, maybe you're just, you know, jumping the gun on this, but this looks, this looks like it could be pretty close and is a little, I don't know, questionable. So. Uh, I'm also going thumbs down because I mean, it's, it's one of two things. I actually, I didn't get a chance to look at the pictures and, judge for myself uh but i mean it's either yeah like this person did completely rip it off rip off you know the the original quote-unquote original monsters like you know like creativity or whatever um and if that's the case like wow you guys suck but on the flip side like let's be honest it's 2021 you know like i'm fairly certain all the original ideas in the world have been used like it's just, it's a matter of time. Like you can only rearrange the letters of the alphabet so many times, but either way, um, not cool. Thumbs down. Tabitha. 
Yeah, if you had said this was just like a Frankenstein-esque kind of monster, I'd have been like, I mean, there are monsters all over the place. But you said it's like a propeller monster. Like, that feels very specific. Like, very, very specific. I, like Mitch, didn't get to look at it. But I'm, <laughs> I am over the lack of creativity in Hollywood. And now I'm over the lack of creativity in video games that I don't even play. And I don't like it when people can't come up with fresh ideas because like Mitch said, there are so many ways to rearrange the alphabet, but if you don't know how to rearrange them in a correct manner, you shouldn't be trying. So thumbs down. So uh, the Suicide Squad has received an official R rating uh, for quote, strong violence and gore language throughout some sexual references, drug use and brief graphic nudity. Um, thumbs up. I feel like this is what a movie about super villains who are towing the gray area and saving the world while still being super villains. This is what this needs to be. Um, I'm here for it. Even if that brief graphic nudity is from Peter Capaldi. Uh, Tabitha. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm very, I'm very um, I was Googling what the difference is between nudity and gra graphic nudity, but Google is trying to show me inappropriate things, so <laughs> <laughs> I've made mistakes. Um, I'm not watching this either way. I don't care. Um, thumb sideways, this in no shape, form, or fashion affects me. I am glad that they are making Suicide Squad what it needs to be and not like hokeying it down like with that stuff. But at the same time, like, again, I don't, I don't care. This is like the least important thing in my life right now. So thumbs sideways. Matt. Uh, am I wrong in saying that the last Suicide Squad was PG-13? Mm, I honestly, I don't remember, but that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Like, again, this is like Deadpool or you know, to a degree Wolverine. Like, these are characters that should be rated R because they are. Like, that's that's just, like, where they land on the grand scheme of things. So, you know, thumbs up for James Gunn going ahead and making Suicide Squad, you know, what it should be so that it gets the rating that it probably deserves. Uh, so... I Survived the Attacks of September 11th, 2001 is an upcoming graphic novel by Lauren uh, Tarshish and Corey Egbert. Uh, and it's an adaptation of uh, the series written by the same person. So it's going to be out August 3rd for readers 8 to 12. And it tells the story of Lucas and his uncle Benny, uh, who is a firefighter in New York City, uh, obviously around September 11th, 2001. I don't know, guys. I feel really weird about this. I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I don't know why. I don't know if maybe it's just because it's still too, like, still too fresh, you know, in my memory. I feel like if this was a graphic novel that was geared for adults, I think I would be way more interested, way more intrigued. But it's like, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like it's, it's weird. Like, I guess on the one hand, I, you know, I'd be okay with, you know, a graphic novel about Pearl Harbor, you know, to get kids to learn about that. But it's like, it's weird to think that kids need to learn about 9-11. Um, so, I mean, maybe in like 20 years, I'd be all for this. But it's just, I don't know. It just, it's, it's weird. It's weird for me right now. Tabitha. Um, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago. It's technically history. Yeah, I know. And I mean, it, it is going to be 20 years. Yeah. Um, it, it's one of those things where you hear your favorite song from your childhood on the classic station and you just suddenly have to sign up for AARP. I feel like that's what you're feeling. Um, <laughs> but I like this. I think if, if kids have to learn, which they do, we have to learn about history. And if they, they have to learn about 9-11, I think this is a good way for them to learn about that moment in time um kids are more visual learners in the blog run uh and they're more likely to pick up a graphic novel than they are a book or at least the majority of them are just you know for the sake of 
for the sake of the, you know, the pictures that they get to look at. And I, I like the, I like these graphic novel, like tellings of history. Like, I think they're fantastic. I think, you know, I think this is what we need. Um, I agree with you that it feels too soon, but like, I think that's just because I'm not, I don't want to come to terms with my own morality or mortality. Either one, I guess. Um, so I'm gonna There's go no coming to terms with your own morality. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's, there's truly not. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up. Matt. So I'm also kind of weirded out by this because, yes, like thinking about this is actually being history that kids have to learn about is not something I'm super comfortable with. Um, but the more I thought about this as you were talking about it, this is going to be part of, sounds like it's going to be part of this I Survived series, which is a bunch of books um, that are geared towards kids to help them learn about historical events. Um, as far as a graphic novel, I don't know. That could be interesting, but this is also one of those times where the visual aspect is going to be important for those kids to learn about what happened. Um, so I actually, originally I was going to go thumbs sideways, but I think I'm going to go thumbs up because I do think this is going to be a good teaching tool to help kids learn why the world is the way it is today. Um, speaking of why the world is what it is today, uh, Matt, let's talk about Katy Perry. Uh, okay. Um, so in case you didn't know, it's Pokemon's 25th anniversary. Speaking of feeling old. <laughs> uh, so in honor of Pokemon's 25th anniversary, Target Walmart are no longer selling their cards. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's true, but that doesn't have to do with the anniversary. Um, Katy Perry has dropped a new song titled Electric. The video guest stars Pikachu. It's going to be part of a... Uh, compilation Pokemon 25 the album slated to drop this fall which will also include a Post Malone song I, I just I I just have to go thumbs down because I can't wrap my head around why any of this is all smashed together I've if I've said it once I've said it a hundred times uh, the only time I was ever into Pokemon was for like a month after Pokemon Go like became a thing but uh, I don't know I'm oddly here for this, and I can almost guarantee that, like, one of the many, many breaks that I take when I edit this, because uh, I get distracted very, very easily, and I like to take breaks while I'm editing, um, I can almost guarantee that at some point I'm going to go on YouTube and watch this video. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. There's something about this I'm like, I'm here for this. This sounds pretty cool. Thumbs up. Tabitha. I never thought I'd hear Katy Perry Pokemon and Post Malone in the same sentence. I'm uncomfortable with all of it. Um, mostly, like, I need Katy Perry to get a new, like, niche. Like, fall into a new niche, Katy Perry. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go thumbs down, because this sounds like a, like a whole lot of shit I don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pizza Hut is launching Camp Book It. It's an online program to help parents with summer reading, uh, the program will run from June through August uh, for children pre-K through sixth grade and will provide parents and students with reading goals to get a coveted free personal pizza. Um, also, uh, Book It as a program as a whole is still a thing. It's apparently not nearly as popular as it once was, but it is still a thing, and that's really cool. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs three quarters up. Uh, I want to give it a full thumbs up because this is awesome, but it, it loses slightly because it's like, can, can we get a book it for adults, please? Like, I just want a free personal pizza because I read like, I don't know what, three books in a month or whatever, you know, whatever <laughs> the threshold was. Like, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll read more. I promise. Just, just give me that personal. Tabitha. I would have so many pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I have warned my friends and family that if my 40th birthday is not a book it party, I'm not coming. And if they don't throw me a book it party, I'm no longer their friend. So that's coming, Mitch. That's coming I, for a couple of years. I just got to turn 40. You got to wait 
four, four and, and a half, half four years, <laughs> and then you can have a bucket personal pan pizza at my 40th birthday party. Because if not, Brie is fired from my 20 years of friendship, and she's got to go. I got to get a new friend. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs up because I, uh, I'm kind of with you. Like, I'm kind of like three quarters in it. Um, mostly because I'm jealous of these kids. Like, why isn't there like a program for adults that gets me free pizza or beer? Yeah. Oh. Brook it. Oh. Brook, brook it. I think we just came up with the idea for my brewery that I don't know how to make beer, but I want to run now. Um, sorry, I'm like spiraling. Um, <laughs> I mean, I spiral all the time too. It's okay. <laughs> that went in a rabbit hole real fast. Um, I like that this is still in place. I wish that we heard more about it. I loved the Book It program as a kid because of the pizza and books. Um, I'm just going to stick with thumbs up. More for childhood literacy. Yay. <laughs> Matt. Um, despite the fact that there is not an adults-only version for this, um, I'm going to go thumbs up. I think this is good. Especially with the way that the pandemic and schools have been um, over the last year to help kids continue to read over the summer is going to be a huge thing that needs to happen. I will say, though, like, an adults-only version of this, like, sounds kind of... Sounds kind oh. of risque. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah, instead of book it, it would be boob it. <laughs> While you guys were talking, it's not that I wasn't listening to you, but I did figure out the difference between nudity and graphic nudity, and now I'm in a fight with the MPAA, just so you know. <laughs> so what is so the many, difference? I have so many strongly worded letters to write this evening. Um, basically, it's female pubic hair. Oh. Yeah. Not male. Female. I hate America. <laughs> so, do you think that there's any graphic nudity on the box of Monster Mash cereal? I don't know, man. There's a cereal in there that I've never heard about. It's a werewolf, so I don't know if that werewolf is a female or not. <laughs> um, the werewolf has chosen the name pronouns. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Nobody told me. Um, so all our Then they wolf. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'd read that book. Um, I feel like that needs to be like a child's Halloween picture book. Okay. Spiraling again. Um, all our favorite General Mills cereals that were inspired by the Universal Monster films are coming together to create Monster Mash. Um, Frankenberry, Count Chocula, Boo Berry, Yummy Mummy, and Fruit Brut, which is a werewolf cereal. That I've never heard of, seen, looked at, nothing. Um, the release is in the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the beginning of the Monster Cereal line. Did oh, not wow. know it would have been around that long. Um, it is going to be a combination of all the flavors, and they say somehow it works out. Not going to lie, sounds pretty gross. But the box is, like, super cute and retro, and I kind of want to try it. And it's going to come out this Halloween season. Um I'm going to go thumb sideways because I'm wary about how all that's going to taste. <laughs> uh, before I go to Matt, um, so what are the flavors? Obviously, the first three, strawberry, chocolate, blueberry. What are the other two? Um, fruit Brut is uh, kind of like a Fruity Pebbles, from okay. what I gather. And then Yummy Mummy is like a grape berry, kind of mm. like Boo Berry, but more grape. Okay. All right. Matt. Hmm. Um, the only reason I'm going to go thumb sideways is because I don't know how those flavors are all going to monster mash together. Um, <laughs> how many even is that? Are you at, you're at four and he's at one? I don't even know anymore. I don't know. I'm on a roll. I don't know what my problem is now. Uh, yeah, thumb sideways. I don't know, guys. I got to go thumbs down. Um, you, you, you all know, like, I mean... Well, there was that time that we played F. Mary Kill. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you all know I love, I love Boo Berry. Um, but the, the mix of Boo Berry and then, like, these other four flavors that on their own I'd be okay with. But, like, all together I'm like, mm -mm. It's reminiscent of, and I think they're doing it again this year, where, uh, is it Kellogg cereals? Like, they're doing, like, a, here's, like, Frosted Flakes and, like, I don't know, all their cereals in celebration of Pride Month. And 
We have that cereal. They Kellogg's is doing a fried cereal, but it's actually basically like heart shaped Fruit Loops. It's not a mash of the different flavors of different cereals. Okay. Well, maybe it has a character box. Oh, okay. It yeah. just has all the different characters. That's even dumber. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's not. The cereal's delightful, and it's got sparkles. <laughs> okay. I mean, if it's got sparkles, I'm okay with it. But yeah, but like, <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and I'm throwing out random cereals. I don't know if that you know if it was the case, but yeah, like, okay, I would. I don't want. Frosted Flakes and Lucky Charms and, you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like, all together, like, that sounds awful. And that's kind of what this reminds me of, and I don't know that I'm here for it, so I'm going thumbs down. Um, Tabitha, you also have our last story of the night. Um, tell us about this brand new vodka. Um, so I deep dove today about this because, again, I rabbit hole, I spiraled into a Chernobyl history lesson of my own. Anyway, 1,500 bottles of liquor made from radioactive apples grown near the Chernobyl nuclear power plant have been seized by the Ukrainian government, but not because of radiation, but because their bottles, like the bottles labels, uh, didn't match their customs documentation that they had on file for them. Um, the liquor was like part of this experiment done by like some British and Ukrainian scientists to figure out if the farmland that's around the Chernobyl site out just immediately outside of the 18 mile exclusion zone can be farmed. Um, and they were trying to find a product that's safe to consume. Liquor was one of the things that they wanted to do because it not only uses the, you know, the uh, produce or the grain from the area, it also could use the fruit and the vegetation and wheat and barley and water and kind of all the things. So they've been doing this for some time. Um, and they were basically trying to figure out if they could release those restrictions on that farmland because it's like economically like detrimental to the people who still live in the, like just outside the exclusion zone who can't sell their product that can grow on their land. They're not technically supposed to eat it like blah, blah, blah. So they hope to ship their first batch to the UK this year. And the profits of this were intended to go to the local community near Chernobyl. It was basically made from the product there and the profits of it were going right back into the local economy. Um, the apples did show like the apples, which are the main ingredient did show slightly elevated, um, radiation levels, but they were well below what's considered like the acceptable rate for radiation in fruit, which it's weird to me that we have an acceptable radio radio, like radioactive ratio in fruit and vegetables. <laughs> but here we are. Welcome Your apples to can glow one. a little bit. <laughs> right, it's just a little shine. Adds a little shimmer. Everything will be okay. Um, but as the bottles were coming into the UK, the Ukrainian government seized them because the they had basically had a label change halfway through the process. But when they filed their customs documentation, they filed it with this label. They changed the label and they forgot to file the customs documentation with the new label. So they're holding all these bottles of liquor. Now for the beauty of everything, this liquor is called Atomic. A-T-O-M-I-K, and it was supposed to be uh, around $50 uh, or 50 pounds or whatever, 50 euros in the UK. Uh, people from all over the world have shown interest. Um, they were already planning to make more bottles because, you know, this is kind of a big deal. Like, I know that everybody keeps talking about how, like, the, you know, the things are in the basement of Chernobyl are active again, but, like, this is literally, like, 20 miles outside of the like they're well, it's one mile, uh, one to two miles outside the exclusion zone, which is eighteen. It has an eighteen mile radius around the planet. This was going to be huge for the economy, huge for you know the scientists, but because their labels didn't match, they couldn't process to take it out of the Ukraine. Yeah. yeah, and like I, it's one of those things that you don't think about. Like you think about Chernobyl, you think about like the town and the devastation, and like the eighteen mile exclusion zone where everything is like locked down, but like. What if you're 19 miles up, like outside of the city, and or you're 19 miles away from the, like the like reactor, and you had your family farmed that land for the last 300, 300 years. years because you're 
in the Ukraine, and you've probably lived there for forever. And then this happens in 1986, and we're 35 years later, and you haven't been able to farm your own land. Like, what have your options really been except to just be devastated by a disaster that affected not only you, but like your entire livelihood? Like, just one of those things I didn't think about when you think about a natural disaster like that, or not really natural, but whatever. Um, I don't know. I want some of this, but I'm never going to get it because it's stuck in Ukraine. <laughs> and by the time he gets here, it's going to be super expensive. Right. Oh, yeah. Like one of those things you find at a bar, and they're like, that'll be $30 for half an ounce. And you're like, mm, <laughs> never mind. Get my radiation elsewhere, like a normal person. <laughs> Your acceptable radiation, don't forget that. Right, my acceptable radiation. I mean, I'm also just thinking about how handy that would be for the apples to have some radiation for a midnight snack. (laughs) So much easier to find in the dark. (laughs) Because it's radioactive doesn't mean it glows. Damn it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) kind of how I take it. So, all right. So before Matt gets another shame, which is impressive, like he got, <laughs> he got four and I got one. Like I'm. He's cruising for a bruising tonight. <laughs> so that's gonna do it for this episode of Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, follow us on all the social medias. Uh, while you're there, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenedpodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye. Bye! bye.